Have you ever had a humbling introduction? That's what it looks like. We do honor Christ in this place. Because of him, we are. Because he did, we have. Because he came, we can go. Heavenly Father, as we receive your words in this place, I thank you that our hearts are already tuned toward you. There's an excitement, there's an expectation, and you never disappoint. I thank you for this great miracle center and all that it represents and for this school of wisdom that has gathered men and women from all over many nations and across Nigeria who are demonstrating the revelation of the gospel in all that they are and do. I thank you for this testimony in this nation. I thank you for what it means to the whole world. And I thank you that you allow me to stand in this place and open your word and speak your truths that we might be excited concerning your plan and who we are in your plan in this world. So when now we say welcome and we say thank you in advance, in the gracious name of Jesus Christ, we say... Amen, amen, amen. God bless you, please. You can be seated. It has been an incredible experience, an honor to be with you during these days. You can only try to imagine the love and esteem that I have for my own niece, Bishop Wally, the entire Idahosa family, and not only the family, the entire work that they have founded in Nigeria. Everything from the churches to the schools, the hospitals, the clinics, Christian Women's Fellowship, everything that is out of this ministry is so amazing. You need to give God praise. Some of you may be young enough that you never knew the Archbishop personally. Some of you may not remember the founding and the beginnings of the things that now have grown so large, the schools, all of the things that have the fingerprint of Christ on them through the Idahosa ministry. You may not know, but you are walking in a legacy. You are reaping where others have planted. Everything that has been accomplished is part of your testimony. Own it. Own it. It's your legacy. You step into this arena, into this place, you step into history. Is that any different than us stepping into the continuum, continuation of people of God who have passed on the gospel? Are we not walking in the legacy of the Apostle Paul, of the Apostle Peter, 
and so on. Are we not walking in the legacy of everyone? Because we are the recipients of what has been passed down. I remember in the, the book of Joshua, right at the end of Joshua, where it makes a statement that Joshua passed on to his fathers. And all of Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen the wonders that God had done for Israel. And then in my Bible, you just turn one page and you're into the book of Judges. And there's the saddest statement in the scripture where it says, and that generation passed and a new generation arose who did not know the Lord nor the works that he had done for his people. We are always one generation away from losing the faith and the witness of Christ. And this is why I say we are here because others have been faithful. May we likewise be faithful. And in this school of wisdom, with the theme of believers in action, this harvest passion, may we have a new resolve and a deep passion to not let this good news of Christ die in our hand. And we will pass it on. We will be sure that the message of Christ continues. Will we do that? I've come to this conference expecting to be refreshed and refired. Surely you have also. I'm like you. I desire fresh. This choir, so can I say, turns me on? I just wanted to start worshiping the Lord. Because, you know, when music turns you into worshipers, you know that's good music. That's, that's the right thing. Oh, how powerful. God bless you. You're the best in all the world. Uh, mm. And I've been around. <laughs> and I just want to say to you, I've been reflecting with some of my leaders back home. It is rare in all the world to find the spiritual maturity that I find in this place. And that maturity and solid faith is a result of the gospel. It's not a result of quacky teachings and faddish methods and ideas that come and go. No, that does not produce maturity. And because you already know who you are in Christ, you already know what his cross has accomplished for you. You already know that you are in him and he is in you. And you already know all that that implies about who you are and who you've been caused to reflect. Because you know that, I can discuss a topic that I wouldn't discuss anywhere else. And it concerns the kingdom of God. 
The reason I would not discuss it is because the kingdom of God is one of those things that has been so misused, taught so crazy. I have seen the result of of the twisting of the message of the kingdom of God in nations where it's actually caused the church to be eliminated. Isn't that sad? I've seen many things that are in error because of the kingdom itching mentality. Everyone wants to be a king. Everyone wants to have a kingdom. Everyone wants to be the head honcho. And so the idea of kingdom of God, wow, I get to be. We're no different than James and John when they said, uh, can we sit on your right hand and on your left? That's what kingdom mentality does to you. That's not what Jesus needs. He needs servants to go and wash the feet of our dusty world. That's what the kingdom of God represents. So I'm going to discuss this with you tonight. And I'm going to paint the most beautiful gospel picture of the kingdom of God. And hang with me because you'll see why it applies to the theme of this school of wisdom. We are living in significant times. Do you believe that? And we're living in times of great transition. I I was fascinated as we watched the events surrounding the death of Queen Elizabeth II. I don't know if you were if you watch these kind of things. Do you? Yes. So you have a history with the with the with the monarch and with the colonial rule, all of that, good or bad. It's part of the history. She was a gracious lady, a Christian, and she we we can't blame her for every decision that was made. <laughs> But the idea to see her the day before she passed, she received a new prime minister in England. Now, that one is already gone. There may be one or two more gone. I don't know. I don't really keep up on those things. (laughs) I know that we have received a new president in Kenya. There are other nations that are facing elections, such as is the case right here. We're living in times of transition Right today, we had elections in the United States, and there is so much war over the political opinions in my country. Transition, change, anxiety, these are the times we're living. Imagine what's going on between China and Taiwan. I'm saying these things to you for a reason, so listen to me. There are genocides going on in the DRC and in Burma, as well as other places in the world. The war in the Ukraine and between Russia and the Ukraine is in the main news all over the world. This is a a horrendous season that we're living in. There are protests in Iran. People are in the streets. People are being killed without, without mercy. So many things are happening, and I'm saying these things because we, as the people of God, called to go into the world, we need to know what's going on. We live at a times of great advantage because all we have to do is open our phones and we can, we can Google any country and we can find out what's going on. What are the greatest needs? What are the promises? What, what situation are the people in? We as God's people need to know. Let us not be distracted by only knowing about our nation or our city. We are world people. 
When Jesus said, go into all the world, we all of a sudden become a world citizen. And so we care. We want to know the needs of people. We want to know how to pray. We want to hear from God what is our part. How do we share these things and cause others to be aware and pray? Very important. When we look at, uh, let me show you in Matthew chapter 24. Let's see. Matthew 24, listen to this. Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him. I'm at verse 3. And he said, tell us what will be the signs of your... Tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age. And Jesus answered and said, take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I'm the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars and see that you're not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. And then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness. I'll just stop at that witness word. That means miracles. We talked about that last night. The world is going to see the demonstration as it is seeing now of the resurrected Christ. The gospel will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations and then the end will come. So when we read We read these things. We understand that the gospel is being preached. Be encouraged when you hear of all the wars and divers things, the plagues and the circumstances, Ebola beginning to spread across Uganda again. They're beginning to close schools because of the children that are that are being infected by Ebola. When we see these things, be encouraged. The gospel is being preached. Yes, I think that should make you happy. I told you, hang with me. You're going to see this is relevant. (laughs) I could give you a list of so many countries where I know personally the gospel is being preached. Just in the last two years, while I've been somewhat grounded from international travel, I have been in 185 nations through the internet preaching the gospel. Literally tens of thousands have accepted Christ. Thousands of miracles of healing, water baptisms, churches have been planted in one area alone as a result of one radio outreach that I've launched in Uganda. Eleven churches have been planted in just the last 12 months. The gospel is being preached. And all of you can say the same thing. 
So we come and we encourage one another and we remind one another. No, the gospel is being preached and it is power and it is making a difference. And the world is seeing the resurrected Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why am I saying these things? I'm saying these things to you because all of the good things that are happening through the people of God... All of the things that are happening through the Church of God mission, through all of the outreaches, all of your churches, all the things that you're involved with, every village, every town, everything that's going on, that involves the kingdom of God. And that's what we're here to focus on. So I'm talking about, and my title is Understanding the Kingdom of God. Are you ready? Why does it matter? Well, it matters because that's a Bible term. We can't just set it aside because it raises all kinds of strange ideas. In the NIV Bible, and I'm sorry I haven't counted in the, New K- in the King James, but the kingdom of God is referenced 76 times. And the kingdom of heaven is referenced 38 times. Listen to me. These two terms are interchangeable. Don't be confused about which is which. And try to accept complicated definitions of each one. They are the same. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. The Jews of the first century understood this. They, they understood the concept of kingdom. And they flashed back to the kingdom of David. The greatest king in Israel. The one who they all hoped and expected would reappear in yet another person and that physical, natural kingdom would be restored and the Romans would get out of their way and they would have someone on a throne again and everything would go back to normal. Clue. There is no going back. In Christ, it's now and forward. When you get caught in the back, reevaluate. That's what the children of Israel did. And Jesus' day, he was right there among them. And yet they could only think of King David and reestablishing what they were comfortable with from the past. Jesus taught, as we referenced before, Acts 1 verse 3, after his resurrection... He hung around and he taught for 40 days. And the scripture says in Acts chapter 1 verse 3 that he spoke about those things concerning the kingdom of God. So this must be an important topic. Can we agree to that? He taught at least seven parables about the kingdom of God. But I'm focusing my text tonight on one It's in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4. And it's only three verses. Verses 30, 31, 32. Then he said, To what shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or with what parable shall we picture it? You see, with each of the parables, he's giving us a picture in a natural way, with natural things, to help us see spiritual things. A parable has one main story, one main principle, one main lesson. With what shall we picture it? 
It is like a mustard seed, which when it is sown in the ground, it's smaller than all the seeds on earth. But when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all the herbs and shoots out large branches so that the birds of the air may nest under its shade. With what shall we picture the kingdom of God? Oh, hold that picture. Hold that picture. You see, there's so much confusion about the kingdom of God. May I suggest some things that it is not. It is not an earthly system of rule. It is not an earthly system of rule. Jesus said to Pilate in John 18, verse 36, My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. The kingdom of God is not... A spiritual hierarchy. It is not a spiritual hierarchy. I was speaking with someone today. I don't believe in hierarchy. There's only one Lord. There's only one master. There's only one head of the church. We are all fellow servants. We are all equal and have a master to obey. Very important. The kingdom of God is not a future spiritual kingdom that Jesus will set up. You see, we have all kinds of interesting ideas about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not a replica of David's kingdom of 1,000 years before Christ. That is not the kingdom of God. There's some wonderful teaching in the New Testament, in the New Testament, concerning the teaching, the kingdom of God. Listen to these verses. Matthew 3, verse 2. John the Baptist, who we call John the Baptist, he came and he said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So something was happening right then as John was preaching, as he was announcing, something's happening. I hope you will feel it before we leave tonight that something is happening concerning the kingdom of God. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, Jesus said, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So Jesus is saying, seek it first. And yet we don't quite understand yet what it is. But seek it first. Let's continue. What about Romans 14, verses 16 and 17? Therefore do not let your good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. You see how these these verses... Are, are, are casting ideas, but we're still imagining what is this kingdom of God. Let's go to Matthew chapter 4, verse 26, and hear the words of Jesus. The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep at night and rise by day and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself doesn't know how. For the earth yields crops by itself. 
First the blade, then the head, after that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Are you hearing me tonight? Jesus consistently speaking and painting parabolic pictures of the kingdom of God. Something that is at work. It may look small. It's at work. Something's happening that is going to involve a harvest. So let's discuss what is the kingdom of God. Well, the kingdom of God, we can say many things that are all true. The kingdom of God is where God rules. Can we agree on that? Huh? Huh? Uh-huh. So if it's his kingdom, he's going to be the big boss. Can we agree? The kingdom of God is the realm or the dimension where the redeemed of the Lord abide. Now I'm coming closer to what you're listening for tonight. The kingdom of God is a realm where we are. We're closer. The kingdom of God is the new life that we are given when Jesus becomes the Lord of our lives. So the kingdom of God is this new life that we are given when we allow him to reign in our lives. The kingdom of God is where Christ is the one and only reigning king. Can you say amen? Amen. The kingdom of God is the demonstration of the will and the presence of God. Think about this. We, as the body of Christ, we can say our identity is the body of Christ. Do you agree with that? Our identity is the body of Christ. Okay? But the action that we take, the action that we do, is the demonstration of the kingdom. We have to bring these things together. Who we are and what we do. Who we are and what we do. We know full well that we're the redeemed of the Lord. We know that Christ lives in us and everything that we do is in his name and it's him doing it through us. Now, can we begin to grasp that that is the kingdom of God at work? Does it still have to be some ethereal, distant, ununderstood something? Can we bring it that close to our own lives? The kingdom of God was inaugurated when Jesus came out of the grave. Mm -hmm. Before the resurrection, Jesus, as the God-man, walking and doing good, he was demonstrating the kingdom of God. Everything he did was the kingdom of God. It was the action of the kingdom of God. Do you remember the prayer Jesus taught us to pray? Let your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
We are the ones who allow his kingdom to come. Every time his will is established, the kingdom has come. When blind eyes come open, that's the kingdom of God. When a crippled walks, that's the kingdom of God. When a lost person discovers the life of Christ, that's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not invisible. It's visible in you. You give flesh to the kingdom of God and allow the will of God to be manifest. So I love the song. I was just I was just hold, holding back tears that my my storage is empty. I'm available. I'm available. Use me. Fill me. You speak through me, heal through me, forgive through me, dig wells through me, teach children through me, live life with joy and purpose through me. I'm available. That's the kingdom of God. That's the kingdom of God. It's an amazing thing what happens when we die to ourselves and we allow the resurrected Christ to stand up in us. Jesus becomes the king. Yes, we surrender to his lordship. We surrender to his rule. But that's just the beginning. Yes, we get saved. Yes, we turn away from our old life. Yes, we say, okay, Jesus, you're my big boss and I will only do what you give instruction. Yes, yes, yes. My friends, that's just the beginning. After we come past that first grade, then we step into a dimension where we are the demonstration of the kingdom of God. How did Jesus demonstrate the kingdom? Look at his actions. When he touched and healed the leper, that was the kingdom of God. When Jesus forgave the sins of the paralytic, that was the kingdom of God. When he gave truth and dignity to an abused woman, that was the kingdom of God. When he cast out demons, that was the kingdom of God. Matthew 12, verse 28, Jesus said, if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, listen to me. If I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Can we wrap our brain around this? When Jesus calmed the storm, that was the kingdom of God. Oh, when Jesus fed the multitude, that was the kingdom of God. When Jesus challenged the religious and social systems of his day in first century Judea, that was the kingdom of God. When Jesus spoke truth in the faith in the face of earthly authorities. That was the kingdom of God. Through many, through his parables, he taught about the kingdom of God. What do we get? What do we learn? Well, the kingdom of God is like a feast that's available for everyone. The kingdom of God is like a father who forgives a wayward son. The kingdom of God is like a wedding where all are invited. The kingdom of God is the receiving of talents to be invested 
in the programs of God. The kingdom of God is something that begins small and becomes great. Don't ever be discouraged when what you put your hand to seems small by comparison. We were not called to compare or to compete. We were called to plant seed. We were called to go. We were called to be accountable. We were called to hear the voice of our master. We were called to go into the harvest field. Only the enemy whispers in your ear at night and says, Oh, look at so-and-so's work. They must really have the anointing. (laughs) Don't listen to that voice. Remember, he is a liar. No truth in him. The kingdom of God has a look today also. We are different than others. Can you just accept that? Pat yourself. Say, I'm different. (laughs) I'm wonderfully different. If you're ever like everybody else, be careful. Go back to the altar and start over. Because we came to Christ. He filled us. He changed us. He became our new identity. He has trusted us with his massive work that includes the whole earth. That is who we are. Therefore, we don't think like the world. We don't talk like the world. We don't act like the world. Our value system is different. The things the world values are not the things we value. Are you hearing me? The kingdom of God looks like feeding people that are hungry, digging wells in a village, and preaching about Jesus who gives living water. The kingdom of God looks like praying for the sick, casting out devils, and ministering to the sick that lay in the hospital. The kingdom of God is delivering the addict and the one who is bound by habits and torment. The kingdom of God is caring when you see a need pass in front of you. The kingdom of God is praying and asking God, how do you want to use me to intercede in this situation? The kingdom of God looks like getting on your bicycle and going down the street, finding the first market and hollering to the loud volume of your own voice. No megaphone, no sound system, just saying, God loves you and I've come to tell you he's here with you to give you peace, to heal you, to meet your needs, to be your friend. He loves you. That's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God looks like you begin in a business doing justly, having just scales, treating people righteously, gaining a profit so that you can live in, in, in a, in a, as a testimony of abundance with plenty more to give to others when there's a good work and something for the kingdom to be done. Are you hearing me? kingdom of God looks like you posting your personal testimony on Instagram or Facebook. And you identify, I want to tell you what Jesus did for me. And he'll do it for you. I'm on every social networking platform that I can learn to use. And it's and I'm not worried about what time I go to bed or what I ate, all the things that some people are preoccupied with. I'm only there for the gospel. 
I'm there, I'm there, I'm there. We were talking the other day. When COVID began in, in the States, it was March of 2020. I called our team together and I says, I want to post every day a miracle video. And I want the same caption every day. When everything looks hopeless around you, remember we serve a God of miracles. All video miracles. We never ran out. We did it for 365 days. And I'm telling you, you can use these media for the gospel, to bring hope, to bring peace, to remind people, no, no, don't give up. This isn't the end. No, no, there is a God who's over all. He has everything in control. That's the kingdom of God at work. Kingdom of God is not just what is, is preached with eloquence from a pulpit. No, the kingdom of God is every believer filled with the Holy Spirit out into the marketplaces of life doing the work of God's will. What does God want? Then you know the work of the kingdom. Oh, hallelujah. The kingdom of God looks like teaching converted prostitutes a skill so they can feed their families. Did I tell you? That radio outreach began, I received an invitation through WhatsApp from a guy I didn't know and he didn't know me. I found later he didn't know anything about our family. And the request was very simple. Uganda is shut down. The people are dying without hope and without Jesus. Will you come and teach on the radio for one hour? I believe you have a word of hope for our people. It was short. That's all there was to it. Oh, you know what my response was. <laughs> you know my response. Oh, my goodness. I would have jumped over the ocean to get there. And that's when we began. And that first hour opened up such amazing things. I cannot tell you all that's happened now. We're on that radio station and three other stations three times a day, one hour each. And this is the ministry that I told you 11 churches have been planted out of. But that first radio message, there was a group of 30, 40 ladies of the night is what they were called, prostitutes. They were huddled around one radio. They heard the message. They called the radio station. And they told what, that they, how many of them there were. And that they were around a radio. And they said, we heard this message. We heard this woman talk. And she didn't talk to us like other preachers. She didn't condemn us. She said that God loves us and wants to give us a new life. And that he loved us enough to send his son to die for us. And now we want to follow him. We don't want this life anymore. Now, I never said anything about sinful living. I just was preaching the gospel. It's a message of love's invitation. Ah, all the way from heaven that shows up on a cross and says to every wounded life, there's hope if you will only come and believe. And so, anyway, they came, and they, were, they, they, they didn't want that of the life. You know, their husbands have died in COVID. Their babies were hungry. They're trying to make a living. They have no skills, not educated. You know the situation. 
Well, that bothered me. Now, you know I'm an evangelist, and I can't follow around every convert and solve all of their new life problems. You know that. We give them to the pastors. I know I'm a pastor, too, so I know the problems we get that we're to solve. And thank God for pastors and teachers. But it kept bothering me. I kept praying, Lord, we've called these women off the street. They've made a choice. How are they going to make a living? And that's when the idea was birthed. It was not a new idea. This idea is going on all over the world. It's just something I've never done. And so we launched what is called Daughters of Hope Creations with eight specific training skills to train these women with a skill that they can use to make money. And cool, listen, this is the cool thing. Some of you will really love this. Most of you are kind of silent tonight, but and never mind. I don't need amens to preach. Listen, I said, but wait, don't just train, don't just train these people about sewing or, or uh, hairdressing or bead making or soap making and all of these things. Uh, every morning when they gather for class, I want you to teach them out of my mother's book, Women and Self-Esteem. And so that's what happened. And these women were learning who they are in Christ. Every day, every day, every day. The first round, the first classes took six months. And we had a graduation of 80 who graduated with the first class. And who were several of them were given sewing machines and cloth and whatever needed to set up a business. That's the kingdom of God at work. And the testimonies. There was a woman who her entire female organs, her uterus and all, everything was removed. She had been sick. Oh, she heard the radio program. I said, God can do anything. She believed me. And God heard her faith. And that woman says, all my life I've wanted to have babies. I've never had a child. My husband is giving up on me. wants to bring another wife into the home. I have no way to have a child. But I prayed. You said God can do anything. So I prayed. He gave me a new uterus. Now we have a little baby boy. (laughs) A woman called. And she said, I was on my way to commit suicide. The witch doctor told me I had to give my daughter to him to sacrifice, to solve the COVID problem in Uganda. And from the time he did that, I have not been able to heal. My life is broken. I'm tormented. I'm lost. She was ready to commit suicide. But as I passed by, I heard a radio preacher. And it was a woman saying that Jesus Christ died for you. And so when I heard that he died for me, I knew I don't have to die. He already did, and he loves me. What a beautiful, beautiful conversion. Now, about two weeks later, I get a photograph. And it's of this woman. She called the pastor there. And she says, I want you to go with me to the grave of my little girl. And there's a picture of him and the woman standing in this grave. And she said, I want him to come and I want him to be with me. We're going to pray at the grave and I'm going to forgive that witch doctor. What does the gospel do to a hard heart?
The gospel is forgiveness in a heart that has received forgiveness. When you receive mercy, you become the extension of mercy. What a miracle! Religion cannot do that for you. Only a transformed heart, a new heart. Scripture says he takes out the heart of flesh and the heart of stone and gives you a heart of flesh. That's the kingdom of God. That's the kingdom of God. Are you hearing me tonight? Mm. Luke 17, verse 20, 21. Once Jesus was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God was coming, and he answered, the kingdom of God is not coming with things that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there it is. Nor in fact, for in fact, are you ready for this? The kingdom of God is among you. Can you say that with me? The kingdom of God is among me. Me. Own it. The kingdom of God is me. It's with me. It's in me. I live it. I demonstrate it. That's who I am. That's big. Come on, say it. That's big. You see, just... Oh, I pray you get this. Just as we can understand that Christ is in us, and then we understand He has set up His kingdom. And His kingdom is now expressed through us. That's not heretical. I remember back in the 60s when the things you preach today would have been called heresy. The idea of Jesus being in us, oh no. And two decades before that, if you said that Jesus will heal you, that would be heresy. Who could presume what God will do? Look, look how truth has come and fills out the picture. So you see, when you can say Christ is in me and he has set up his kingdom. My father used to say, you are God's address. Uh And if people can get to you, they get to God. What's the difference? Can we see ourselves in this wonderful way? I'm telling you tonight, the kingdom of God is not a label that you wear. I'm a kingdom, I'm a this, I'm a that. It's not that. It's a life that you live. It's a life that you live. I'm telling you, there is no greater joy in all the world than to live the life that is God's will being expressed on earth. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. My friends, when you make decisions that are in line with God's will and his plan, all of heaven is behind you. All of heaven is lined up to back you up, to answer every prayer, to fulfill every vision. When you align yourself with God's will, you're not alone. You're not alone. Trust, trust Scripture says in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 20, the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. 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 We've been talking throughout this entire school of wisdom about the power of the gospel. 
The power of the Holy Spirit, the power of our calling, the power of truth, the power of a righteous testimony, the power of a God-given vision, the power of faith, the power of prayer, all of these things, understand these are all the tools of the kingdom of God. And when we're willing to step up to that Identity and that level of action, you wait and see what will happen. I heard you preaching. I don't know all that you were saying, but what I heard and what stuck with me was two years ago, three years ago, they were saying, this is your year. <laughs> and the next year, this is your year. And the year after that, this is your year. Oh, my friends, this is your year. I mean it. This one, this one, this one, this one. We don't wait for another. This is your year. So the next time we come together, we will be hearing the testimonies of the year where all things were fulfilled that you were anticipating through your faith in Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I could tell you so many stories. Oh my goodness, the testimonies. Every week, this, I'm just talking one outreach. I'm not talking to you about all the things on the internet. I'm not talking to you about the refugee camps that we're at work in in Rwanda and in northern Uganda. Refugees that are coming out of DRC and, and South Sudan and, and Tanzania and of course from Rwanda. Millions of refugees. And I'm telling you, we are there. We are there. We're, 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 there's teams. Their whole passion. Listen to this. This is their vision. Now this is a young, a young couple. He's 25 and she's 24. Rwandans. Their vision is to go into these camps, which they've been now doing for years. And every convert, listen to me. I've never heard this vision. It's, it's the New Testament vision, but I've never heard it. Every convert will become a disciple maker. Isn't that what the new church, early church did? Isn't that the plan? Every believer is a disciple maker. We go out. We're not just saved for us. We are saved to save others. We're not just healed. Praise the Lord. We're healed to heal others. We're not just delivered, we're, we're deliverers of others. So, so amazing. So, so we have, we've, we've partnered with them. It's amazing things that are happening because part of this genocide are, are, is a particular tribe that's fleeing from DRC and they're coming into these already crowded camps. The women are raped consistently as they flee. By the time they arrive, they have every named venereal disease. They're sick. Their babies are sick. The men are killed or in, inscripted to fight in the war against their own people. It's just a horrific thing. But we're there with medicine. We're there with antibiotics. We're there with prayer. We're there with food. Listen, how do you teach? How do you preach the gospel to someone who's bleeding and suffering with fever and diseases that are destroying their lives? How, how do you just say God loves you and you don't give them food? So we've been 
but every team goes in and the evangelism is the goal. Everything we do has got to be evangelism or we can't do it. <laughs> We're committed to evangelism. But listen, through these ministries in, in that part of the world, we have given thousands of Bibles to pastors who've never owned their own Bible. Can you imagine? We had one partner who underwrote all of the Bibles that we can possibly give. Underwrote. That means they gave money. It was a miracle. We don't get those kind of big donations. We live by faith every day like everyone else. But I'm, I'm just giving you an overview of what the, God, what the kingdom of God looks like. It looks like giving a bag of rice to someone who's starving. Every day I was getting a report on how many people had starved to death. The UN can't help them with food until they become, they go through the process and become labeled as a, they have asylum status. Until they're asylum granted people, they can't get any help. Well, we're there. And literally thousands have accepted Christ. They are receiving Bibles. They are receiving training. They are going into the camps and they're winning souls, praying for the sick. It's amazing what's happening. Three of our books we've translated and printed in the uh, Kinyarwanda language that is spreading the good news of the gospel and teaching them how to disciple others. I just think you need to say praise the Lord. And the best of all is all of this and so much more is happening because the devil thought he could kill the world with COVID. <laughs> he failed. He failed. God turns things around. He turns everything around because he will demonstrate himself as the Lord over all. That's why we're not troubled when we hear bad news. Because we know God's on our side. And he will turn things around. We keep our faith in him. We keep going forward doing what he told us to do. That is the kingdom of God. That's who we are. So if you can see yourself that way, just the same, you don't go around saying, I am Jesus, do you? No, no, you don't do that. But you know he lives in you. Can you likewise believe that you are the kingdom of God in operation without feeling embarrassed or like you're trying to usurp anything? No, no, that is who you are. The kingdom of God is in you. Now tonight, you have to decide what the kingdom looks like through you. What does the kingdom look like? What are the new goals? What are the new avenues? What are the new places? What are the new consecrations? What are the new callings? What are the new ideas? What are the new visions? What are the new things that no one has thought of before that has been coming to you during this week of cool of wisdom? What is it? You've been writing them down. You've been crying at night. You've been praying. You've been joining the choir in this wonderful anthem. Lord, use me. So this is the finale moment when we don't just say goodbye to another school of wisdom. But we make a consecration. We make a consecration. You see, every time you hear truth, and you've heard truth in every session, 
of this wisdom school. It's been an incredible, incredible teaching. I've listened to every session online. I'm telling you, when I'm not here, I've been with you online. And it's, you are so blessed. But when you hear truth, you become accountable. Mm-hmm. And you respond. You respond. One way or another, you respond. If you do nothing, you're responding. If you do something, you're responding. And so we're accountable. We can no longer be people who don't know who we are. We can no longer be people who are already uh, tossed here and there by every wind of doctrine. We can no longer be those people who are not sure of our salvation or who are worried about curses or who are not sure that our prayers are answered. We can never again be those people who do not know who we are, what we've been redeemed for, and the great price that was paid so we can declare who we are in this world. So I'm going to invite you. I want you to stand to your feet. And I'm going to ask you to respond. I want you to respond. I don't know what consecration looks like to you. To me, it looks like opening my mouth and talking to the Lord. It looks like me on my knees making a commitment between me and the Lord. Consecration to me means me saying yes beyond what I've ever said yes to before. So this is our time. This is our time. How do you want to respond? How do you want to respond? Let's begin to open our mouths. Raise your hands. Let's open our mouths. Let's give ourselves. Let's consecrate ourselves for a purpose that God has been saying. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. We are in this place. We honor you. You're the Lord. You brought us and you've been speaking to us hour after hour. Oh, Father, thank you for the abundance of impartation that we have received in this place. Thank you for the revelations we have grasped. Thank you that you trust us with your people, your world, with every problem. We are the answers to every world problem. Thank you that you have called us, you've singled us out. You have invested yourself in us. You have breathed in us your Holy Spirit. You have called us by your own name. You have given us your word. You have given us your promises. You have deemed us worthy to represent you and to manifest your kingdom in this world. We give ourselves to you, Lord Jesus, that from tonight nothing will be impossible. We will see no situation beyond the power of our God to control, to master, to turn around. Every vision will be fulfilled. Every dream will be accomplished. Every need will be met. Thank you that you are the giver of finances. You are the healer of broken bodies. You are the one who speaks and we hear. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We are your people. We are your body. We express your kingdom. There is none like you, O Lord. There is none like you, O Lord, in all the earth. In all the earth. And we represent you. We stand tall in faith. Nothing will hinder us. Nothing will detract us. Nothing will cause us to be discouraged. We reject the lies of the enemy. And we stand firm on that solid rock. We 
are the will of God in demonstration. We are the redeemed of the Lord, and we say so. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hear the voices of your people. Hear their cry. Hear their hearts. Hear their commitments. Make com- covenant with your people tonight. Every commit, com- every commitment. May you seal it with your promise. In Jesus' name, may your Holy Spirit rise in this place. And may we be consumed with your presence. In the powerful name of Jesus, we say yes. 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 Oh, Jesus. 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 We say yes. We say yes. We say yes. We say yes. We get the choir back up here. This small choir. Let's sing that. Come on, lift your voices. Lift your voices. Lift your voices. We've talked about prayer. Take these moments. This is serious communion with God. He is marking every commitment you make. He is remembering every promise. He is seeing every need. He is hearing your commitment. We are here. We are here. We have nothing but empty vessels for Him to fill. Come on. We're available to Him. Worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. Come on. Worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. Bless His holy name. There is no one like our God. There is no one like our God. He is the Alpha, the Omega. He is the great leader, the great King. He is our Savior. Come on. Come on. Worship Him. Worship Him. Yes. Say it with all of your heart. Come on. Yes, 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 yes. Jesus, 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 Jesus,
your song now. Open your mouths. Put your words to it. The presence of the Lord is powerful in this place. Yes to your will. Yes to your purpose. Yes to the gospel. Yes to your will, Jesus. Oh, yes to your will, Jesus. 